Dreamer's Eyes, a podcast where we journey through the weekly Torah portion and glean parenting insights along the way. My name is Sasha Clark. I'm your host. Uh, really happy to be back with my voice. I had kind of some congestion last week and feeling a lot better this week. We've had a lot of crazy drama going on in our personal lives this week, so I apologize for the lateness of this podcast. Um, I am going to put my PayPal link down in the show notes. Um, my, our daughters survived a fire in their apartment building. Had nothing to do with them, but if you are looking for a mitzvah to do, um, they are going to need to replace pretty much everything they own except about 15 bags of clothing. So um, anyway, and they're just stressed, and it's that time of year when everyone's stressed anyway. But I know that I a lot of my followers are kind-hearted people, so I'm going to put my PayPal link there if you are when, interested in making a donation to help them get restarted with their lives. I would appreciate it very much. So anyway, I've been on this parenting journey, and I have never dealt with a fire on the parenting journey before, but on this parenting journey for 25 years, and well, in truth, most of my life, and I'm just on a quest to learn all I can about being the best parent I can be to my physical children, um, my own inner child, as well as my spiritual children, using God as the perfect template. It is by heart that my hindsight can become your insight. So let's begin and learn together. Um, speaking of the crisis we've been through, um, I did recently share an article I wrote about navigating the, the ocean waves of the defined solar plexus. If everything I just said sounds Greek to you, that's fine. I do encourage you to check out my, um, my newsletter on Substack about human design. Human design is, um, my, I'm like obsessed with it. It is a mixture of astrology, which I know some of my listeners are a little adverse to, um, but it also mixes with the Jewish Kabbalah, and um, there are a lot of really uh, universal spiritual principles in human design. I'm bringing it up because the the crisis that happened to my, my girls, they both have defined solar plexuses, and so I found myself last week on the phone with them in the middle of the night just being... Um, what I would call like so, if a wave comes to the to the shore, the shore, the sand absorbs most of the wave, right, and makes it. Then it kind of rolls back out, and it rolls back out calmer than it rolled in. And so, um, I was literally just imagining myself as the the sand on the shore, trying to absorb the big the big feels that they were having, and trying to make the, create safety for them that the that I'm a soft space to land in their life. So, um, I, uh, I just, anyway, since this podcast is about parenting, I just want to encourage people, um, your, our job isn't done when they turn 18. It definitely changes as they grow. And I, I don't spend enough time in this podcast really talking about the developmental differences between each stage of a child. Um, you know, obviously what a four-year-old needs from a parent is completely different than a 24-year-old, but, um... And so maybe, you know, I, I guess if people are interested in talking about that, we could have a conversation about that some other time. Um, but I wanted to mention that I don't believe my parenting journey is ever done, actually. I, I get to be a mom in a lot of different ways to adult children, um, but I'm still uh, their mom. So, 
And, you know, um, if any, anybody, any of my listeners have teenagers or adults for children, you probably ex- know exactly what I'm talking about where like you don't actually, you know, do the actual care anymore, but there's so many ways that you, sh- that we communicate respect and, um, and encouragement and safety and just be, again, that soft place for them to land so that they can deal with the hardships that come along with life. So, okay, this week we are studying Parsha Vayitze. Um, and before we do, sorry, before I jump forward, I just want to publicly thank Hashem for keeping my daughter safe. There's absolutely no reason why I should have been awake in the middle of the night to take this phone call. I normally don't have my phone um I don't have my phone on in the middle of the night. Usually it's usually on silent and I happen to not be able to sleep and I answered the phone and, um, and she, the reason she's safe is because one of the, the neighbors was kind enough to go wake everybody up. So I just really want to publicly thank Hashem for keeping my family safe this the past week. Okay. Now on to Parsha Vayetze. All right. Uh, sorry about the four-minute introduction this week. Um, Genesis chapter 28, verses 10 through chapter 32, verse 3. Vayetze picks up with, um, in the first Aliyah. So each part of portion is break, broken into seven Aliyahs. So I'm going to start breaking my summaries down into the Aliyot. Um, the first Aliyah is Jacob leaving his home to go back to Rebecca's family and find a wife. He has that ladder dream, which is basically a visual for prayer. And God speaks to him in this first Aliyah of this Parsha and renews his covenant with him. And I think that's important because Jacob just had this big conflict back home, right? And so it's really important, obviously, to God that he says, I have chosen to continue this covenant through you. Okay, and also um, we find that Jacob trips over, basically, or lays his head on the site of the future temple. In the second Aaliyah, Jacob finds his mother's family and gets invited to stay for a while. In the third Aaliyah, Jacob agrees to work for Laban for seven years for Rachel. Laban plays a trick and gives him Leah instead. We introduced the idea of a one-minute debate last week, and so you are welcome to do a one-minute debate in the comments. Um, do you think this is Jacob's karma from tricking his brother out of the blessing that he's now being tricked into marrying Leah? Or do you think this is just Laban's custom? That's my my one-minute debate topic. So you can pick either side and let me know in the comments what you think. Anyway, whether it's karma or um, custom, it is seven more years of work for Rachel. And then we start with a... a a whole list of of new names in the in the Torah. We have Reuben, Simeon, Levi, and Judah born to Team Leah, and then we have Dan and Naphtali born to Bilha, which is on Team Rachel, and then we have Gad and Asher born to Zilpha on Team Leah, and then we have in Aliyah four we have Issachar, Zebulon, and Dina rounding out Team Leah, and finally Joseph born to Rachel. And now he's, Jacob's ready to go home. So then in Aaliyah 5, we have Laban going, oh, no, you can't go. It kind of reminds me of that scene from Where the Wild Things Are, where they're like, no, no, please don't go. We'll eat you up. We love you so. Um, So Laban's definitely not loving Jacob, but he doesn't want him to go because he's making a lot of money having Jacob around. So they spin a deal about speckled and spotted goats, and then God speaks to Jacob again and says, no, it is time to go. It's time for you to return to the land of your fathers. So um, 
Jacob has another dream. I'm not sure if this dream is real or if he actually just puts tells the girls, you know, Leah and Rachel, that he had a dream as a way to explain to them that God was talking to him. I'm not sure. Um, the Torah doesn't specify, but I do love, this is super important. If you are listening and you have a pen nearby, I want you to write this down. He, this is the first time in ancient history that we see a man, a patriarch, asking advice and counsel of his two wives. So it's super important. Judaism, I mean, Judaism loves their women. I'm just going to say that out loud. So I totally believe that God created man and women, and men and women like for different distinctive purposes. Um, but I also think that we really lose a lot of um, information when we only let men lead things. So um, anyway, that's all I'm going to say about it now. I don't want to get into too much about politics, but um, sometimes the decisions we make impact different parts of our society differently depending on their their what they're what they're involved in so um and so I think it's key actually to include as many as possible in decisions that impact them okay so wise that's a huge act of wisdom on Jacob's part let's applaud Jacob for a minute yay Jacob way to ask your wives for input before making a big decision so okay ace uh Aaliyah number six Jacob flees Laban of course follows him then I think this is the first time in the Torah text where we see God talking to someone who is not in this particular family, too. So um, maybe it's not the first time. Actually, I'm kind of thinking of another time with Abraham and the Pharaoh. But anyway, so God talks to Laban, and he tells him to basically that you're going to leave this guy alone. So And then there's this odd scene with Rachel and the household idols. Aaliyah 7 is so telling because this is where Laban says, this is where he, sh- he shows all of his cards finally. Finally, like He's like, everything you see here is mine. That's a very interesting thing to say when they, none of that actually has to do with Jacob's sovereignty over himself or over his wives who, you know, in ancient times were his possessions or his children. Um, so Laban is basically saying, everything you see is mine. So this is really like, Oh man, first of all, as a woman in 2022, I can't even imagine somebody tell, treating me like a piece of property. So there's that, especially my father. <laughs> but um, nonetheless, he's crossing a huge line. This is a huge egotistical statement. Like he's not even willing to acknowledge that God may be sovereign over Jacob and his family. He's like, I am their boss, basically. That's kind of Pharaoh-esque, I think. So anyway, they, the two of them make a deal, a covenant, and then um, Jacob leaves and is graded by more angels. That's how we round out the Torah portion this week. So this Torah is section of the Torah is full of really a lot of communication issues between two parties. We've got communication between, um, between Jacob and God and Laban and God and Jacob and Laban and Jacob and Leah and Jacob and, you know, so we've got humans communicating, uh, humans and angels communicating, and humans and God communicating. We see them talking out loud in a dream, out in a field. Even the egotistical Laban gets to hear from God in this week's Parsha. So communication is really the key to any relationship. Our words, our actions, or lack of words and actions all communicate something. And it's been kind of on my mind lately to talk about like, what is the message, but what is it the unintentional message too? So if, um, for example, if 
Uh, our, here's a great example. Our four-year-old has been getting up in the night and coming to bed. Now, my words to him, my direct intentional message is, if you, you know, when you come wake me up, it's okay, we're going to put you back in your bed. But what's actually happening, my actions are communicating that I go back in his bed with him and then I sleep there. So I'm actually in some way... I only fall asleep there because I'm so tired I forget to wake back up. And next thing I know, it's morning, right? So I'm not doing it on purpose, but my actions are kind of reinforcing to him that if he wants to cuddle with me all night, that he just needs to get up and come down and wake me up, and I end up in his bed. So, um, which that's better, the three the three kids before him ended up in my bed, and I, I had to learn the hard way that that's a really bad, hard, difficult habit to break once you've started it. So, um, anyway... So yeah, I just in my gentle encouragement this week is to start examining are your words and your actions aligned? This is something for me to take a look at too, especially with the bedtime thing. Um and if they're not, how can I address that because the unintentional message I'm giving with some of the things I'm some of my choices is just as important to my children as the things I'm saying. In fact, I think they learn more from the way we behave than from the way we talk. So, um that's that's my one of my belief systems about parenting. So um, we see Jacob really kind of growing up and maturing in this week's Parsha too. He starts off as an impatient, horny, scared, naive young man to basically a wise partner in a, in a, in a family of, in a, in a wealthy family. He becomes a partner with his wives, a partner with his, um, his children and with his uh, servants. So, my big parenting touch point and takeaway this week is that communication is super tricky with adults, but even more so with children. I mean, honestly, I know parents that the only time they talk to their kids is when they're telling them, issuing a command, and then the child's supposed to say, yes, ma'am, right? And I, I have no problem with children respecting their parents or obeying their parents, especially when, you know, especially if what I'm telling you is an issue of safety. I take on a different tone of voice when my child is about to do something that will harm them because I want to make sure they know that that is a form of communication that needs to be listened to and responded to immediately. So they have a completely tone of voice when they're about to do something unsafe. Um, but anyway, if, 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 if I'm also for a child, it's confusing if you use the same tone of voice when you're you know, only a little angry or you're a lot angry or it's a big deal or a little deal. You, if, if, what, um, what I've had to learn the hard way from experience is that if I overreact to everything, um, then they never really know when to take me super seriously. So, um, anyway, that's just my two cents. Uh, I think I confused my oldest child a lot because my emotional maturity was such that I would react big to even some of the small things. And then she was, she got to the point where as a, in junior high and high school, where she was somewhat afraid to talk to me because she didn't want me to overreact to things. So I'm trying to do better with that with my other kids and just react in a way that's appropriate to the situation. So, um, okay. Uh, my other point, I guess, is that communication is in the ear of the receiver. So, um, something I, I guess I wanted to leave you with is that, um, that we have to be cognizant of how the person's receiving our message and check in with them. Um, I have a lot more I'd like to say about communication, but I think I'm going to save it for the next episode because we're at 15 minutes now and I want to make sure and leave you with a blessing. So, um, I have a little bit of a, um, 
have a little surprise in store. I'm not quite done with it yet. That will help with this communication issue between children, between us and our children. And I'm really hope, hoping it's a helpful resource to you. In the meantime, if you would, um, please let me know in the comments, what are some of the communication struggles you have with your children or with coworkers or with your spouse or with your partner or your friendships? What are, what are some ways that communication has been a struggle in the past? And, you know, don't forget to, you know, tease about Mercury retrograde. Everybody has trouble communicating during retrograde, right? So anyway, um, but yeah, I'd love to hear what some of your communication struggles and questions are. Um, that will definitely help me as I'm continuing to build out this resource for, for you guys. And I am really glad to be here. Thank you for listening. Um, until next time, may the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob bless you with clear communication this week, as well as health, peace, and safety. Shalom.